Hey everyone, welcome back to the Leadership Locker. If this is your first time here, this is a podcast about entrepreneurship. This is a podcast about starting your own business. This is a podcast that's gonna educate you on all kinds of things, social media, Instagram, how to dress, how to create content, how to audit your podcast, how to have mental toughness, all these all these things that we know come into play in your entrepreneurial journey are super important. That's why I try and get the best influencers and industry experts on. And I invited Jillian Tedesco on. She's in St. Louis. I flew out to St. Louis. I had uh, Zach Babcock on the show, and then I had Jillian on. And Jillian opened this food service called Fit Flavors back in 2013. That was the very first one that she did. She's not a college graduate. Uh, she never thought she was going to be a CEO. She was a personal trainer, and then she was kind of, you know, had a, had a business going, and then that business fell apart, and it really kind of led to an awakening. This is where she tapped into her faith, and what she did essentially was meal prep. She was one of the pioneers back, you know, in the early 2010, 2011, 2012, like thinking about it, realizing how much nutrition played a part. And then she took matters into her own hands to the point where she had nine refrigerators in her house and was just kind of running around making meals, had interns, had employees, and was just figuring it the fuck out. Like, that's how it goes. She didn't think. I think there's a story uh, about her where she's getting pushed around in her wheelchair because she's ready to burst because she's pregnant and she's still barking orders and, and trying to make things happen. So, you know, what happens and you'll hear in the story is when she started out in a, as a personal trainer, like all this is of interest to her. It is something she can do and something she could do well, but it's not enough. Her business would not have lasted if it was strictly personal training. She was fascinated by the nutrition and being fascinated with the nutrition meant she had to figure out how the hell to cook it. How can she cook balanced, beautiful meals that are gonna benefit people like you and me who are either health conscious or want a meal that's on the go or easy to heat up and not freaking McDonald's, not Chick-fil-A. That's what she did. So now she's in St. Louis with multiple locations, multi-million dollar business. It was super clean, super nice, super fun. When I, as soon as I got into Fit Flavors, which is directly next to a Pop Bellies, which is so funny to me, but she's gonna take you on a journey of a fallout of a partnership, the awakening of a business and a business model, and then thriving to the point where now she's got a killer podcast out called Owning the Weight check that out and review it. She's already crushing. You're also going to hear about how her spirituality played a factor. So this is just one of those things where I love to sit across from the other person, see their eyes light up when they remember how far they've come. And this is a fantastic story. Check Jillian out. Let's get started. Thank you for being on the Leadership Locker. I came all the way out to St. Louis for a couple people, including you. And I told you at the beginning when we first met that I was like, I heard you on a podcast. And you're like, that was five years ago. And I was like, it's perfect because now things have changed dramatically. Uh, but let's first start with letting the audience who are entrepreneurs, business owners, veterans, who you are and what it is you do. I'm Jillian Tedesco, and I'm the founder and owner of Fit Flavors. We're a local-based company here in St. Louis uh, that makes and prepares healthy meals to go. So I'm a certified chef, and prior to that, uh, I was a personal trainer. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's kind of a funny story how I got to where I am today, but yeah. I think we all have funny stories. Yeah, well, let's talk a little bit about it. Well, 
First, it's funny because you're right next to a pot belly sandwich shop. I know. I was like, what would happen if I walked in with like a sandwich and be like, would she be like, get out? That is very common. So we have like a lot of people will come in from pot bellies and they're like, they'll have their drink like they ate and then they come in and they're like, what is this place? You know? Yeah. And uh, it, it's, it's good because it's an opportunity for us to kind of explain what we are. Yeah. I mean, because... A lot of people that don't understand healthy eating, they think, oh, I'll just go get like a turkey sandwich. But, you know, they really don't understand everything that goes into that. (laughs) Well, let's talk about how you were a personal trainer and then you ended up doing this. Like to some people, it may seem like a completely logical jump. But on the business side, it is a completely different amount of things. So can you talk to me about the decision and then everything that you encountered? And if you were like, oh my God, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, no, uh, it's a really long story. Uh, So I I did training for about a decade. I loved fitness, but I always had a burning passion for nutrition, Mm -hmm. specifically like nutrition science and how food could change your physique. Like I just, that interested me. Um, I dabbled not in bodybuilding myself, but was in that, that I guess you could say that world, very young. So I saw a lot of people change their physique by the foods that they ate. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was always very interesting. So I studied nutrition and I fell into not the healthiest lifestyle with eating. And I fell into a lot of the dieting. And um, I wrestled- Despite learning about nutrition? Uh, Yeah, because when you're in that industry, you want to eat like everybody in that industry. So you are super restrictive. You believe you have to measure and portion everything. Certain things are bad foods. There's cheat, you have to have cheat meals. So like I started to create all these like narratives in my head that actually was really just causing me anxiety around food um, until I fully decided I was going to give like whole food nutrition a chance. Um, I remember you, I used to think like uh, registered dietitians didn't know what they were doing because, you know, they were so laxed and they, they didn't like harp on people. And that was just because I was uneducated. And as I got more educated, as I studied nutrition and I realized, okay, I can eat a carbohydrate. I do understand how it's working in my body. Um, I had less fear around that. Um, so my passion for nutrition just started to grow and grow. And in the process of that, like, you have to learn how to cook because when you're you're trying to change the way you eat, you can't just go out to a restaurant and get those types of food. So I was playing with food a lot and I'm a super creative person. So I found out I really loved cooking. So here I was personal training. I actually had my own personal training studio at the time and I was cooking all the time, studying nutrition and I had a falling out with my partner and I actually walked away from my first business. And that was kind of like the pivotal point in my life. Um, It was a very dark time for me, suffered some anxiety, like really bad time. Questioning who I was, um, what I was doing with my life because I went from here, I was business owner to back to work working at a family owned gym 30 hours a week for someone else. And ego. Your yeah. ego was bruised. It was ego. It was a lot. Even though like I was hiding behind this facade that like I have my own my own business. Um I really wasn't happy there because I had this passion for food and nutrition and I was training people 10 hours a day. So it was, it just I knew it felt wrong at the time and it was just like breaking away from that. Just it didn't it there was so much fear. And then Walking away from my business because I had a falling out felt like the end of the world, but really was such a an opportunity. Yeah. It's when I got grounded in my faith. I, I I remember being in the hospital bed. I actually called 911 one day and uh, when I was having a panic attack, thought I was dying, literally. Um, this was like the anxiety I was facing after losing my business and trying to figure out what I was doing with my life. 
I remember laying in that hospital bed and saying a prayer like, God, help me. If you are real, show me. And God showed up. He did. He showed up for me. And I have a whole story on that. All that's going to be in my book. Um, But really what it did was it pulled me away from failure and fear and allowed me to get back to um, passion and joy and love. And I kind of shifted all my negative worry and resentment that I had towards my ex-business partner and focused it on helping people eat better and following my passion and my love for food. What was the first thing you did to help people eat better after the kind of that like abyss you were in? Uh, so I started cooking this is this is how Fit Flavors started. I had a party for like Labor Day weekend, and one of my girlfriends like Jillian, you're such an amazing cook. Like I love how you make everything healthy. Would you ever consider cooking my meals for me? I was like, yeah, totally. I'll just do it this weekend for you. That's like the hot dog and hamburger weekend. I know. And then like somebody else was there was like, well, you do my meals too, and I was like, yeah, sure. So. I think I asked one of my clients if they wanted me to prep them some meals. And they said, yeah. So the first week I had three three people ordering food and some Tupperware. And literally that's how it started. Wow. And they all wanted food the next week. So I, I would punch on a couple extra people from the gym. Next thing I know, I had eight to 10 people. And I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm cooking 40 or 50 meals on the weekend. And um, after a couple, couple more weeks, I pressed forward with it. I had you know 15 people. And then I made the conscious decision that I was going to go back to culinary school. So I enlisted in culinary school that January. I went to Le Cordon Bleu. I'm fr- a French culinary trained. And I wanted to do that for that credential to become a chef. Um, I had no schooling prior. And I knew that I wanted to do something with this like personal chef business. And I thought if I got a degree, it would make me a little bit more reputable than say like just some girl could get out of her house. Um, so I trained all day, went to school all night, and ran the business on the weekends. It was a seven-day operation for a year. And uh, I I actually was adding up the hours the other day because I was, like, writing the whole story in the book. Yes. And it was it was over 100 hours a week. It was just over 100 hours a week. And I'm like, how the fuck did I yeah. do that? You know, I didn't have kids. Yeah. Um, but, like, when, you, why. <laughs> when you are hungry and you are, like, loving what you are doing— nothing can get in the way. Like they're like, you are going forward and it doesn't matter what happens. And like, that was my, that was my mission. It's easy for me to see. And I'm sure you can see it now, but like you were validated before it was even a business, right? Like a lot of people dream up this amazing business, put all these time and resources into, into it. Like here, yeah. Jillian, what do you think? And you might be like, this doesn't solve a problem. I don't care. People are telling you, you solve a problem and you weren't even doing it. So that's like the best sign ever. I, <laughs> and it's just like, let's go. One of, one of the things my husband said, I always do, he's like, you just keep it stupid simple. Like you, you really do. I just do. Like if, if you need something, I'm just going to deliver. It's going to be awesome. My service is going to be great. The product's going to be great. The follow through is going to be there. I'm very consistent um, and I'm motivated. I'm very passionate. And so like the whole business side came later. Um, it was kind of like the after fact when it, it just grew into something that was taking over my home. My husband's like, Jillian, like you should consider like moving out of Tupperware into containers. Okay. Like, so he, he was always there to kind of mentor me. And like, I mean, even from sourcing labels to taking credit cards to, okay, we, we need to raise capital. Like we're going to, we're going to open a business. So just so many things evolved naturally later on. So you had the fallout with the ex-business partner. You had, you know, you were hospitalized. You thought about all these things. You started cooking, helping people with nutrition. Now the business is kind of like, this is a full-time operation. What was it like inside when 
you're like, this has to now turn into brick and mortar. And here we go again. Uh, yeah. So I remember having that conversation. We were at my mom's for like Thanksgiving. It was two or three years into doing it from the home. And my husband's like, it's taking over our home. We have nine refrigerators in our house. Like, you know, Jillian's cooking all this food, takes up her entire weekend. Like it was, I had already, I think I had just resigned from personal training because I needed Monday to finish deliveries. And I started designing menus on Thursday and sourcing other products. So it was five days a week for me. And um, the days I was off, I was playing golf. It was wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I love that time. Um, But I remember he's like, we should open a store. And I, I, I was very much, I'm not doing that again. I failed at business, you know? And it was just that like, that fear that was there. And he was like, we'll do it different this time. Like, this is going to be yours. Like, we're going to be in full control. Like I had a business partner who was majority owner in the, in the first thing. And that was just a different, a different situation. And so um, he goes, I was actually researching online. There's a company down in Texas that that does something a little similar. Mm-hmm. And they've got, I think he said he's like, they've got 30 locations in 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 Houston and they do like 30,000 meals a day or something like that. And I, I when he said that, my head just went, what? Because I was doing, you know. Wait, what? As in how the hell will I ever get there? No, or like, what? Like, the I heck, can't believe there's that much opportunity. How are they doing that from Houston in, in one week? Or Yeah, yeah. 30,000 meals in a week or something like that. And I thought if they can do that much in a week, I can do just a percentage of that. Yeah. And when he said that is like when my head, like my mind went, okay, we're going to do this. <laughs> and literally we got back from my parents' house and we booked a trip and we went down there and we checked it out. Wow. Yeah. Like, do you met, did you meet the people or you just kind of scoped it no, out? No, we just went around to kind of just see what it was. Research. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we did. We did our R&D. We actually, believe it or not, got walked through the kitchen down there. Yeah. If you don't ask, you don't get. <laughs> I mean, like, this is amazing. So, there was a t- when I heard you on the podcast, uh, and again, this was a long time ago. You were talking about someone who was working for you, but also going to school, and you had a pretty pointed opinion on it. And I don't disagree, by the way, where you said you will learn so much more and make more with me than if you continue to go to school. And then I think that person ended up being like a general manager for you or something like that. Mm-hmm. Has that mindset or position changed as you've onboarded so many more people as time has gone on? Yeah. So actually that person's no longer with me. They, they unfortunately um, were unable to grow with our company. They just didn't want to grow with us. And I, I wanted to continue to grow and I always had plans to, to make it bigger. And um, that job is still here. It's actually split up into several jobs. It's actually into three jobs now. It takes three managers to manage what that person was doing then. And then all those people have their people. So yeah, it's it's really changed a lot. Yeah. So what about the experience of working for, well, I guess you would consider yourself a startup. Yeah. What what do you what can you say to people? business owners and the experience they could give other people by bringing them on. Because like one of the things that's the hardest to break from is doing everything yourself. And obviously you realize at some point you cannot like duplicate you. And and now you, you're past the survival stage of the business, but your team is going to need to survive and it's going to take them a long time as well. So what would you say to business owners who need to take on help but are maybe reluctant? Like, what if they leave? Or how much time is this going to take? Or what if they can't do it the way I do? Yeah, you know, I, I've i actually, I'm pretty good about, like, letting other people do their thing. And, like, 
if you're going to do your department, I want you to run it. I want you to own it. Like, I want to come to you and ask you, how can I serve you? So I want you to know more about it than I do, because that's all you do all day, where I have to think about everything. So I look at my managers as like the experts in what they're doing. So um, I love giving them more responsibility. And I know people are going to make mistakes. And that's, that's part of the process. But like, if you have like a decent training, or you can invest your time in showing them up, up until that you can let them go, like, get them what they need, but then let them go. I mean, most people, they, they take so much pride in, in ownership, if you find the right person in doing it, they're probably going to do better than you were doing, because you weren't giving it 100%. So like, I love one of my favorite hires that we ever had was this girl who came on as an intern for our registered dietitian. She wasn't an RD, but she was going to school for nutrition. After her internship was done, she worked for us in like an associate position. And I started to let her kind of dabble with me with working with our nutrition labels because that's kind of when she went to school for like building the macros and stuff. And I said to her, I go, if you truly want to do this, you need to work in back a house. You don't need to be helping the customers. You need to be packaging the food because I know the product inside and out because I create it. So when I'm making these, you know, nutrition labels, I know what goes into what. So she moved to back a house. She became a packager. So she was handling all our products, measuring everything, seeing everything. Today, she's our nutrition analyst. So like she... She creates all of our labels. If I design a recipe, I just hand it to her and say, what's the macro? She gives it back to me. I see them. I don't like them. We talk about the sodium, what changes we need to make. I'll go back to the drawing board. I get to be chef, but then I I hand it back over to her and then we'll go over the menu, make sure the menu is diversified in cuisines and cooking techniques. And like she manages all of that. Like that was such a big part of my job when I started because I didn't have anybody. And to be able to give that away to her gave her a career and allows me to focus on like stuff like this. Yeah. But that that took probably two to three years. Yeah. Two years to get her there. And like now, I mean, I, I want to promote her again. Like she's amazing. That's amazing. Talk to me about the nutritional aspect of this all, meaning healthy meals to go. Actually, let me start there. Why to go? To go? So when I was training, I I understood how many meals my clients would eat in a week. And I knew if I could have, like, if I could help them with the majority of them, I could help them manage the 80-20 balance. So if I could prep them 10 meals, that was my, that was my thought process behind it. It would only leave them another 10 to manage. So it just created this to go let me let me let me meal prep you 10 meals. So it just started like that and it just evolved from that. So I think our customers love today. They can come in and they can eat lunch or they can grab five and take them home for the week. Mm-hmm. So it, the to-go thing is awesome. And I mean, during the whole pandemic, I think everybody was transitioning to like, okay, we're not going out to restaurants. Now we need food. You're either cooking, which doesn't last very long for most people, or you're getting to-go food. And, you know, you're then you're eating out even more. So our whole concept worked out really great during this whole thing. When it comes to pricing for something like this, this is like a no kidding commodity. Like if there was one of these by me, I'd be like, game on, right? Now I don't have to worry about my, I call it pro meal. I do two scoops of protein, two packets of oatmeal and some peanut butter. And yeah. that's a great meal. That I'm is like, a cool. great meal. Um, so, but I do that. And then I'm like, how much ground turkey can I eat this week? How much cottage cheese can I eat this week? Like I need to have how many grams of protein? This is ridiculous. So this is a good balance, but it's a commodity. So you know how much work goes into it. 
how do you make the decisions as a business owner? And what would you say to business owners when you got to kind of start pricing it out the right way? So you're obviously profitable, not only profitable, but the margins at some point need to increase. Yeah. So unfortunately, the food business, at least this one, the margins are not that large. Yeah. They're very small. Yeah. And in in fact, it, it really helps to have a large quantity of sales with this business before you start seeing profits. Like with one store, we were okay too. And then once we got to three, to be honest, like the amount of people I needed to operate three and the extra manager and then the driver and then the extra cars and all that, it was like, it wasn't a profitable business. And I was like, oh my God, what did we do? So we had to relearn how to work certain things. So yeah, we're very, we're, we've got our food costing down, our sourcing down, how we negotiate our contracts with Cisco or US Foods, um, all that kind of stuff we've learned along the way. And every every percent you can get back is, is awesome, you know? And managing our labor different than we used to. We used to completely overstaff and just just because you didn't know, but you yes. when sometimes when we've been forced to be lean, we've we've really realized what we're capable of and that just comes with time. You know, you got to go through the ups and downs. So, it's funny, labor's always the biggest expense. Uh-huh. And I'm sure you felt like you needed so many people. Like, can you give an example of like I had this many people doing this when I know one person could do it? Uh, anything you figured out? Uh, so we have a pretty extensive menu. We have about all in maybe 60 things on the menu. And say we have 10 people producing it. 10 people can produce, let's just, let's just use a number, mm-hmm. 5,000 of those 60 items in a week. Those 10 people can also produce 10,000 of those 60 things in a week. Could you go down to eight with 5,000? Might get a little tough, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's just, when you're cooking more of the same thing, it's just a little bit more, maybe a little bit more knife work, but Mm -hmm. you can, the output is there, but like to do so much, you need so many. So that's where I'm saying like the numbers really come in for this kind of business. So um, yes and no. And you know, like with ebbs and flows of business, like you don't want to just like let people go. No. You kind of you kind of eat some of the labor through some of the slower times, waiting for it to come back up. Uh-huh. So just things that we've learned. We've we've also learned about like how to use our employees a little different. Some of them are cross-utilized from department to department. Uh-huh. So not only will they prep, they'll also package. So uh-huh. it's kind of it'll help us not fully have an extra person over there or here that that one person can go wherever is needed. When you started this and you wanted to replace let's just imagine I was a client and I'm, and I'm working out, I'm doing my three hours a week with you and maybe I'm not seeing results and you absolutely know if your nutrition was on point, there'd be a difference. So you went from that, you wanting to replace some people's meals to now where you have almost 60 plus items on the menu. Do you ever feel pressure to be more creative and be like, well, I need to give them more. I need to make sure I, I, I add something like maybe I need instead of, a, a turkey burger, maybe I need a bison burger or whatever it may be. Do you ever feel that pressure? Uh, yeah. So I mean, I was in the kitchen actually earlier today making turkey meatballs. <laughs> Yum. <laughs> um, uh, we change our menu quarterly. So every season we change out anywhere from 20, well, it's about 30 items, including snacks and bulk items. So like every three months, our menu turns over. And yeah, it's the seasonality of the the, the produce and just to keep you engaged. Um, we keep our favorites and our staples for people. Uh, but 
I've what got, are those, by the way? Oh, like uh, our pancakes, our turkey, egg, and potatoes for breakfast, like just two. Like those are simple. I mean, we'll never get rid of our steak and potatoes. The flavor profile might change mm-hmm. with the season, but like we always have steak and potatoes. We have a cheeseburger bowl. People absolutely love that meal. just drives me crazy because I'm like, there is no culinary excellence whatsoever. It is <laughs> white rice with ground beef and cheese and pickles and mustard, but people love it. Yeah. It might be our bestseller. Uh, Buffalo <laughs> mac and cheese is buffalo chicken with some mac and cheese and green beans. So those are some staple items. Uh, but, you know, I will change things up all the time with the season. All right, everyone, if you are thinking about starting a podcast like this one and you want everything done for you, reach out to us. Just reach out to us. If you know someone who wants to start a podcast, just reach out to us. I've already done all my market research. We're completely competitive. I know what the hell's going on here. We've been doing it for 18 months. We have granular, deep processes. I know podcast experts. My podcast is now ranking. I can help you. This has turned into almost an obsession of mine. I love to do it so much. And I also know how long it takes. I know the coordination. I know the team. And we can take all of it off your hands to the point where you literally just record and we got the rest. I don't want you to have to learn all the crazy shit I had to learn. Email us at info at richcardonamedia.com for our podcast packages or a console and we can talk about it and figure it out. It's not for everybody. I'm telling you right now, it's not for everybody. But if you have a team like us behind you, I promise you that you're going to think about it twice and it's probably going to be long standing and you're going to find that it is one of the most self-gratifying aspects of your personality that you could showcase no matter what format you do it in and that it could be what you want it to be, which is a top of the funnel marketing piece for you. Let's get back to the show. So now that it's evolved and I mean, it seems like things are great. Like I walked in, the atmosphere is awesome. That's all good. But now you said at the same time, you are able to do other things. And some of those other things include a book. So let's talk about the book. And that is such a hard trigger to pull. But once you start it, like you really can't stop. So talk to me about that and your inspiration. Yeah, I've, I've always had people over the years tell me I should tell my story and write a book. And like, I just always was in denial with it. And uh, I've also never had the opportunity to have that time or that space to, sure. to go there, physically being in the business all the time. Um, I, before we started, I was telling you how I finally hired this last manager to kind of run this department that I was always being sucked back into. And when he was set and good, I kind of thought, if I'm going to do it, now is the time. And my intention was a cookbook because that was the easy thing to yeah. do. And while I was in the process of writing recipes, I would want to express my everything I have learned about nutrition and what I've experienced over the years with counseling people, working with our registered dietitian, being in the fitness world, crossing over now to a more of a lifestyle. And um, I had a lot to say about it and it just started to come out. So just trusting that process and letting it come to fruition, I, I wrote. I wrote a whole book on mindset and your mindset when you think about nutrition. But it, it really incorporates uh, spirituality in the book, which is really interesting because it is the foundation of my life. Uh, it's what turned my life around. And I really realized it, it helped me overcome my failure in business. It helped me, it helped me get through some really challenging times yeah. with this business. Um, I've had some really, really dark valleys, which I'm sure every business owner has for several years. Uh, but anyways, it 
it, it's such a big part of living a healthy lifestyle because not only do you have to be physically fit, but you have to be mentally stable and your spirit and your soul has to be in a good place so you can always be enjoying your passion, putting love out into the world and, and making a difference in people's lives. And if you aren't taking care of your spirit, I just feel like your body is going to wear down. So I talk about this balance of mind, body and spirit, even if it's for your nutrition. So the mindset is just taking a step back and looking at like, how have I been looking at this wrong? And like, how can I see my life and my health through a different, different lens? Yeah. When I was DMing you about that, I thought it was interesting because I wanted to hear the story. Now that I know the story, it's like you got out of a really bad situation. You leaned on God and you prayed and and things started to evolve. But as someone who's not extremely religious or anything like that, there's been plenty of times where I'm like, oh, that helped. And then I just kind of go back to normal. Why do you think people get off track in that regard? Especially if you're a business owner, when you need to be able to foresee there's going to be so many moments where things are just going to go not your way. You mean like, why do you like forget about it when things are good? Yeah. <laughs> uh, because it's not, um, it's not a discipline. It's not, it's not a prioritized discipline. And I've definitely had ebbs and flows with my, my spiritual practice, but it, when I'm on, my life is better. My life, I always say life is better with God. Um, <laughs> and it is, it equips me in so many ways, not only with just how to deal with conflict, but my faith and my hope and my spirit is just in a better place and processing all the struggle and all of that is just so much better when I'm in tune with that, that, yeah. that aspect. So it, it is a very important part of my life. I would say it is as important, if not more important than my physical activity. So you have multiple locations, you have a book now, and now there's one other aspect. So you're coming full circle here. And what is that last uh, endeavor that you're approaching? Uh, I'm going to start a podcast. <laughs> and what's the, what's the name of the podcast and what's it going to be about? Owning the weight. And that is exactly what it is about, mm-hmm. is, is owning it. Owning whatever it is and just waiting. I think everybody wants now. So my thought was with like nutrition, people want it now. And you have to like own the process of the journey. Um, and same with business. It's like... You have to take ownership in all aspects of your business. You can't just like push it off. And if you're distant as an entrepreneur and the founder, like, eh, it's just, I think some people step away too soon. And yes, it's, why? Why do you think they do that? They want to play business, but they don't want to do business. You know, I, I remember getting in the fucking delivery van when it would be snowing. I'm talking like just recently in the last year thinking like, I'm 12 years into business. I have a multi-million dollar company and I'm still making fucking deliveries <laughs> on a Sunday. And you know what? I'm going to fucking do it because so many people wouldn't and that's what's going to separate me. 100%. So like, I, like I, part of me is like, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm going, I'm called in. You know, like call her in. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like that, I still take a lot of pride in doing everything for the business, whatever it is. Um, but like, I know sometimes like, it's been hard to like, and I don't do it now like I used to. Like yeah. with within the last like five years, I did it a ton. Um, but really the last year I haven't. When can owning it though go the opposite way? Like when when can it be counterproductive? Like you take pride in that. I clearly see you take pride in it and you're like, I'm down to do that. But when can that get to the other, the other way where you're actually um, starting to maybe under deliver? Yeah, so I think too, like, And I think I'm working on this with like my managers. Like I just promoted one of my top, top people. And like, 
he's been my partner since day one. So like I've always been front of house, branding, marketing. He's always been back of house production. And he's always been hands-on. And now he's above all my back of house. So he's above my kitchen, my baking, my packaging, the labeling, distribution, delivery, and just pulling him out of the kitchen. He used to be my exec and say, okay, now I need you to manage all these people and the managers. Like, I'm pulling him back saying, you know, don't go in and do the grill at 4 a.m. because they need to get an extra four hours done. Like you need to be, you know, developing your people. So like now I'm developing him to pull him back so we can continue to elevate yeah. and elevate. So, um, and I can see that in a couple people. I'm yeah. starting to, as my business almost went, well, it did, went through like a restructure this year, about ready to open up our fifth location. Nice. Yeah, and um the business has just changed. We've just got more people, more moving parts, more departments. And it's like, it's almost like I need a new layer. So I had to move some people around, bring in almost like a second line of management underneath management. Yeah. For the podcast, we talked a little bit before we were recording uh, about, you know, you talking yourself or you having guests, like, which do you feel like you'd prefer? Or how do you think you're going to approach I it? I mean, like guests are great. Like I can have a conversation all day. Um, I, I love talking about nutrition, spirituality. I love talking about fitness, health, life. Like those, those are my like my things and mm-hmm. and business. Um, but I do feel like I need to get on there and talk a lot about like how I process things in my mind mm-hmm. and why I do things the way I do because a lot of that has helped me position myself in life. So I, I think it'll be a mix of both. Yeah. Um, I cannot wait to have guests on and yeah. and just create new. Um, relationships. Absolutely. I mean, industry experts that you haven't even met yet, yeah. that's going to be like unbelievable conversation. So I want to wrap with um, a couple things about nutrition. Every time, and I'm not dieting anymore or anything like that, but one of my biggest fears, and this is so fun, I don't think I've ever said this. One of my biggest fears is not looking like I served in the Marine Corps. Like that would be mortifying. And And there's been times where I'm like, oh my God, dude, like get it together. A lot of us go through that. So one thing my wife said to me that I'll never forget is one morning we went and had breakfast and I probably overindulged a little bit. So it was hours later and we're at the drive-thru of somewhere. She's like, we don't need to do this. And I'm like, I already wrecked it. You know, she, I was like, I'm just going to go all in essentially for the rest of the day. She's like, you can literally have a salad tonight. You don't have to say, you know, the day's over. Yeah. Do you think, uh, how common is that in your opinion? And what do you suggest for people who may be like really trying to take their nutrition seriously and they deviate or they have a cheat day and they're like, Ugh. So like, this is really what my book is about. And like, just what you said with the, like the cheat day. So for whatever reason, that means something to you. Okay. <laughs> it means I get to like be free and eat and all the rules are gone. What rules? Like the rules you make up in your mind. Okay. Like what does that mean to you? So like I, for whatever reason, we get these like fucked up little things in our heads. I call them narratives. And sometimes we have false narratives and I was controlled by these false narratives. And, you know, I used to be a personal trainer. So thought I had to eat a certain way, especially in front of people. So like when I would go places, I wouldn't want people to see me eat sweets. And like now I want people to see I eat sweets because I want them to know I can do both. Like this is a healthy lifestyle. This is called balance. And I do do both. So like, but, but when I was there, I hadn't quite, for me at least, 
I hadn't recognized all those things that were holding me back. And I, I agree with your wife. You <laughs> just have the one thing and get the fuck over it and just go back to, to being you. Nothing has to start on, on Monday. Like we get people that come into Fit Flavors and they're like, I'm ready to do it. And we're like, do what? You're eating. You just didn't go to Chipotle or Potbelly. You yeah. came to Fit Flavors. Like they think it's a diet or a plan because it's like meal prep. No, it's just healthier. And we've done all the thinking to like get you results with the food. But like what I don't want people to do is I don't want to jam them into a box and tell them they need to eat this much or they're going to lose this much by this date. Like that is all bullshit in my head. And like even diets, like they work, they absolutely work. But what they don't, what they do do that's not good is they fuck with your head. Mm -hmm. You, you, you feel better about yourself when you're on a diet or like you restrict yourself and then you're giving up stuff that's not sustainable. So like when that time period is over, then what? Then that insecurity comes back. That worry comes back. That like, I got to go back on comes back. And it's just this like war within your head. And like, I I was so sick and tired of being in that place. I remember saying, I just want to be the same body fat, the same weight all year round, eat what I want to eat when I eat it, not obsess about numbers, enjoy what I want and, 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 and still eat healthy food. Now I love healthy food. So I eat it all the time, but like if I eat something, I eat it and I just move on. And that took me years to get there. But like my biggest goal was to create new narratives for myself. So like I separated myself from saying cheat meal because I knew that that was only doing me more harm because it was giving me anxiety about that next meal mm -hmm. or maybe what I had to do the next day for training because I had eaten more carbs or more whatever that I would need to utilize through a certain type of work, like already just things that I didn't need, wanted to spend my energy on. So like getting to a place where I could let that go, trust the process, own the weight that if I just eat consistently good for long enough and do the right things, the results will come. And they did. That's a perfect segue to my last question. Um, and I have to introduce you to this gentleman. His name's Jordan Sia. Uh, he was Gary Vee's personal trainer for a while. Oh, this, he's ridiculous. So he always says, you can't fuck this up. That's his, that's his number one thing. He's like, you can't fuck this up. And, and he just talks about all these different things. So I had him on the podcast and I was like, dude, I was like, it was part of my identity, you know, being in the military to look a certain way, to have a certain standard and whatever. I was like, no matter how hard I try now, it's like crazy. I'm like, I can't even believe I used to do some of those things. And he goes, what do you think about when you think of when you were like the best? And, and I was like, oh man, like after Afghanistan, I was like ridiculous. I was like, I've never looked so better. He goes, people don't realize how completely unsustainable like that is or that was. He's like, you were a different amount of stress, different amount of sleep, different amount of water, different amount of heat, different amount of exercise, like all these different things. And he goes, it's so hard. He goes, this takes a lot longer than people think, and it's more of a kind of a lifestyle thing. So my question to you, all that, is to say this. What, where are you on in terms of expectation management when someone really does bonafide in their heart and their spirit want to take nutrition seriously, and, and maybe they're weighing themselves every day or who knows what, mm -hmm. and they want to see progress? Like, What would you say about expectation management and to be a little bit more like forgiving of themselves if, if it's slower than they anticipate? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to back up. I think there is something else that they need to do. I think you need to get educated because mm -hmm. what a lot of times we do is we don't know what we're doing or why we're doing it, mm -hmm. or you'll put all your faith in your trainer or your your coach, yeah, 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 and you're not owning it. Yes, 
they're telling you to do something and you're just following directions and hoping for the best. And then when you don't, there's that insecurity again. Whereas if really you took some ownership and understood why macronutrients or what macronutrients are doing in your body, mm-hmm. you would feel more confident eating the sweet potato or whatever, because you're like, it's just 40 grams of carbs. Like it's, it's not going to fuck it up. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, I think you need to take a little bit more ownership wherever you are and just get educated in the process, a little more buy-in from you. Um, If you're not working with someone, if you do, they're only going to help you get there faster because they're educated if they're the right person. So a lot of times I would put my faith in people that just looked a certain way because I thought they knew everything but they didn't. So yeah. So um, (laughs) a lot can go to that too. So I think, you know, education experience um, and just, you know, what, what other people have to say about that, but you, you gotta be the best advocate for you so that, I mean, I know people don't have time for this, but like, if you want it, just like you want anything in life, I wanted to be fit really bad. Like I said, I gotta fucking learn this. And I did. And it's not like I learned it overnight. I've learned it over the years. And I've, I've added and layered good habits year over year over year and been able to sustain after having kids. Like, I I think I'm probably in the best shape of my life now and I'm 36 after having two babies, you know? And like, it's just because all of the the, the efforts are compounding over 18 years, Mm -hmm. you know? That's amazing. Where can people find you and where can they learn more about the company? Yeah, so our website's an amazing place to go. So www.fit-flavors.com. You Mm -hmm. can find us on Instagram or Facebook. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just Jillian Tedesco Mm -hmm. on Facebook and Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I guess when will this become a national sensation? I don't know. Um, Do you want it to be? You know, sometimes I think like, I I truly feel like I'm operating this whole entire business for God and his purpose in the Mm -hmm. kingdom. If that's what he wants, it'll come to fruition. I definitely want to take this thing regional. Right now, I'm having a hard time like seeing how that would happen, maybe yeah. just because it's a little bit further out, um, just logistic-wise, um, without like drastically changing my lifestyle, taking on investors, and just, I don't know if I'm ready for all of that right now. I love what we have going, and I'd love to see this go regional, and gr- I'm not ready to like grow overnight. Yeah. I, I know I don't want that, because I think I would lose touch of the culture, and the product and the consistency. Um, I'd be giving it into the hands of somebody else to make it grow so fast. Like, I I don't think I want that. I'd rather control it and have it grow organically with us having better control over it over time and just let it organically happen. That is so much the very opposite of the way people think. I was listening to, I think, Simon Sinek and Brene Brown the other day, and he goes, no one could ever tell you why they want to scale. Like really, like because everyone believes like hyper growth is, 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 is a great thing. It's the complete opposite. Like not a lot of people will say what you just said, which is, I mean, you don't want to lose the culture and the touch. Like yeah. that sounds very grounded to me. <laughs> I, I, I've just seen a lot of these large companies and what they have and like how I are positioning against them and why we're different. And I know why it is. And it's because of our team and the efforts we've made. And like, I don't, I don't want to lose that. And like, I think we can sustain that. And dude, we could be in an amazing place in five years and it's only five years away. Like, and we could do it ourselves. So yeah. Well, thank you very much for being on the leadership locker and I'll end it there. All right. Wrapping up here on the leadership locker reviews and ratings, reviews and ratings, reviews and ratings are, are what drives this thing. So please, and thank you in advance. 
for rating it and reviewing it, and more importantly, sharing it. Look, I know you know other entrepreneurs. This doesn't even apply to small business owners all the time. This applies to people, to people just who are living life in general. There's no way you, you can tell me that you just listened to that 35 to 40 minutes and that Jillian didn't bless you with some information that you could benefit from. We're all trying to grow. That's why I listen to podcasts. That's why you listen. So let your podcast friends know. The Leadership Blocker, and I'd love if you would consider a written rating. A written rating on Apple Podcasts for sure is gonna help me the most. So thank you in advance for being a listener and please reach out to me, DM me if you ever wanna chat. See ya.